Intentionally Grounded. I'm your host, Brian Willie, along with my co-host, John Kessler. Episode 87 features the return of 24-7 sports recruiting analyst, Ryan Burns. Ryan will discuss with us the spring 2021 football season, the upcoming Minnesota Golden Gopher expectations for fall 2021, as well as upcoming prospects in the recruiting class of the class of 2022 and what you can expect for some of the top prospects and some of the lesser-known sleeper prospects that will be on recruiting boards this upcoming fall and next spring. Season 4, Episode 9 of Intentionally Grounded with Ryan Burns starts now. All right, our guest today is our yearly guest, Ryan Burns of 24-7 Sports. Uh, Ryan here, let's just jump right into things here a little bit. Uh, I'm going to first kind of talk a little bit about the impact of COVID-19 and the impact it's had last year or so, but in your eyes, how big of an impact has this past season and the COVID-19 protocols had on the availability of scholarships heading into the 2021-2022 classes? I mean, it's going to be my 10th year now in this industry, and I can say without a doubt, it's, it's the year that it's had the biggest impact. I mean, whether you want to look at it um, on the college's point of view, where <clears throat> that 85 number can be anywhere between uh, 85 football scholarships on a given year at the power five level. And that's where the NCAA has the rule now where you can allow back your super seniors, but you can determine it at each institution how many guys that you want to bring back because it's over and above that 85 number. So say, uh, say for example, Minnesota is going to bring back 10 guys. So they're going to be at 95 scholarships. Well, if Iowa state says, well, we have the funding to say if 20 seniors want to come back, we can bring back all 20 and we're at 105. And that's, it could be a huge competitive advantage here. If you look at things for the 2021 fall season, but when you look at the recruiting point of view, I mean, I feel horrible absolutely horrible for these recruits, whether it's the 2021 class that just signed or this 2022 class, because we've now been in a dead period for over a year. And for those of your listeners who don't know what a dead period is, these recruits can't go on campus and talk to to the coaches. They can't correspond with them in any way. They can't go to a camp on their campus at the division one level. And that's incredibly tough to do. It's incredibly tough for the coaches to evaluate you. It's incredibly tough to get to know your coaches with, because there's only so many things you can learn about someone via Zoom, uh, via FaceTime. It's those face-to-face conversations that you're really missing out on. So just even, you know, with availability for scholarships, the last thing here would be with this 2022 class, the, the juniors right now, that will be seniors here in the fall. This is going to be from all the coaches I've talked to, whether they're in the Big Ten, uh, the Missouri Valley, the Mountain West, um, even getting down into the D2 levels, there's going to be a shortage of scholarships available because everyone got that free year of eligibility. Well, that's great for everybody who's already on the team, but that also means you don't have as many guys that are going to be leaving. So say, for example, the Gopher sign, say 20, 22 guys on a given year. Well, this year, they're probably going to be looking at 13 to 15, and it's going to be that way across the country. So there's going to be, a, say, a 30 to 40% scholarship reduction for this junior class. And so not only do they haven't been able to get on campus anywhere for a year, there's going to be a scarcity of scholarships available as well. So it's uh, it's been a time here uh, that COVID has really thrown a wrench into things. Now, as we approach spring practice, all things considered, where do the Gophers stand today? And what are some of the biggest question marks heading into the season? Yeah. 
they, they're going to start spring practice on Monday. We still don't know um, if Minnesota is going to have availability for the media, availability uh, for fans to come watch. I think that's all going to be kind of dictated here as we continue to progress with COVID. But when you look at some of the biggest things, I'd say offensively, there are two things for me. Number one, year two of Mike Sanford on offense. It's where he came in and was hired 14 months ago. He got three spring practices and then everything was canceled for the next six, seven months until a three, a three week abbreviated fall camp. And then here we are on the season. So Mike Sanford's thrown directly into the fire. Quarterback Tanner Morgan had about four or five weeks of actual hands-on uh, training with his new quarterback coach and his new offensive coordinator. So now we're going to kind of find out here as it appears we're going to get a normal spring ball with 15 spring practices and then summer workouts and then a, a normal fall camp. We're going to find out how much of Tanner Morgan regressing last year was that because of Sanford didn't get a lot of time with him, a change in quarterback coach, no Tyler Johnson, some Rashad Bateman. I mean, that's going to be the biggest thing to me offensively is there's so much star power around him because you have Mo Ibrahim, Big Ten running back of the year. You have all of your offensive linemen returning from 2020. Plus, you get Daniel Falele back and Curtis Dunlap. To me, and this is going to be my best go for offensive line on paper that I've covered in my 10 years here. So you know you're going to have a good running game. You should have as good of an offensive line as we've seen here under P.J. Fleck. And so can Tanner Morgan in this passing game be able to elevate themselves? And then when you look on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, they were dreadful. I don't care. Defensive line, linebacker, secondary, they were awful. I mean, <laughs> you give up – they were, I think, the worst run defense in the country yards for carry. Their defensive line struggled to uh, contain the edge. They struggled to get off blocks. Their linebackers struggled to get off blocks. They couldn't make plays in the hole, and their secondary took absolutely dreadful angles of pursuit to the ball. So how much of that was we knew that there was a lot of turnover from 2019 to 2020. You lost a bunch of guys, and they didn't get any time in the spring. They didn't get any time in the summer. They got an abbreviated fall camp. And that's where now Joe Rossi, Minnesota's defensive coordinator, has – an entire nine-month time period here, he knows the personnel a little bit better. He just saw seven games of it. You know what these guys do well. So how do you fill uh, and kind of build around your defense with their strengths? Because you certainly know what their weaknesses are, and there's going to be a competition all over. But I think there's definitely question marks on both sides of the ball. Please don't get me going on special teams because that's just an absolute abomination, whether it's the kicking game or the return game. But – I mean, even with all negative I've been, I think this could be a Big Ten West contender because of how good this offense is. We saw that in 19, where if the offense clicks and you're scoring 28, 34 points a game in the Big Ten, that's incredibly tough to do. But are they ready in year five to finally take that next step and beat the rivals of Wisconsin and Iowa, who on paper, I mean, I don't think they look any more intimidating than they have been in recent years, but is this the year that they're going to take that next step? Ryan, who are some of the under-the-radar names that Gopher fans are going to start seeing on Saturdays really make an impact this upcoming fall? Yeah, offensively, it's tough to kind of give too many under-the-radar names because, as I said, there's so many guys back. I believe there's going to be nine or ten starters back. But the wide receiver position and just kind of the pass-catching position in general is going to be incredibly intriguing to me because Seth Green is now gone. Uh, you lose Rashad Bateman. And to me, the only really proven commodity you have there is Chris Ottman-Bell, who has been very consistent for his three years. But then what? 
I mean, I, I am going to plant my flag and continue to die on the Brevinspan Ford Hill, uh, the St. Cloud Tech uh, graduate. He was injured a little bit last year, but it's about now or never for him because it's going to be year four. He has all the athletic talent in the world to be a, an incredibly impactful player on Saturdays. I think he has, if things click right for him, uh, a, a chance to play on Sundays, but it's Ken Daniel Jackson or another one of these freshman receivers. I believe Minnesota is going to have nine freshman receivers for spring ball. I mean, there is so much young talent there, but there's a difference between young talent and developing that so that Tanner Morgan and this offense can take the next step on Saturdays because the number one thing opposing offensive, uh, excuse me, opposing defensive coordinators are going to do next year, load the box. Mo Ibrahim's really freaking good. The offensive line, really good. So whether it's Chris Ottman-Bell, Daniel Jackson, or another receiver, you're going to have one-on-one matchups the entire season. Can you capitalize off that? And then when you look at defensively here, some of the under-the-radar names, I would say, on the defensive line, I don't know if Boye Mafe is still under the radar, but I hope he's not. I mean, he is – I'm going to tell you right now, I will 100% go on the record saying Boye Mafe is going to be a top 100 pick in the 2022 NFL draft. The kid is going to jump out the gym. He was Minnesota's leading uh, leading player in sacks and, and tackles for loss, pressures, whatever you want to look at it, 6'4", 260. Um, you know, he just needs help. Minnesota needs more pass rushers. And so does that mean that Keontae Shad could step up? I know that the staff is expecting him on the defensive line at D-tackle. They're expecting some from the Clemson transfer, Niles Pinckney. Uh, the all-ACC guy didn't have the season he thought he was going to have in 2020. Transfers to Minnesota. Well, if he has the season he thinks he's going to have, Minnesota's going to have some pretty good defensive tackles. And then when you kind of look at things in the secondary, I think an under the, a couple under-the-radar names for me uh, are, both, are both freshmen, one by the name of Jalen Glaze, uh, someone that with Benjamin St. Juice now off to the NFL, Minnesota really, really likes Jalen Glaze. I think he had, was going to have an opportunity to potentially start as a true freshman last year, but then he gets into the abbreviated fall camp, and oh, by the way, he has to have an appendectomy. So there goes all that out the window, but now he's healthy, ready to go. I think he can challenge at that open corner spot, and then at safety, I mean, Tyler Newbin and Jordan Howden didn't play up to what they were capable of last year. And that's where you saw Flip Dixon, Michael Dixon, play some as a true freshman at times. They're spelling in for Newbin, and they think the world of him. And so that wouldn't be a surprise at all for me to see him or Glaze earn a lot of reps this fall or starting spots. It's interesting to hear you talk about Brevin Span Ford because you came on the show a year ago and said, you know, he was a guy who – if he's really good, you know, if he has a breakout year, you know, the offense is going to be special again. You know, he was the kind of guy you highlighted a year ago. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it was just everything. It was everything that, that went on. And so it would be interesting to see in 21 if he can take that next step. Uh, what are your thoughts and evaluations been on the FCS spring season so far? You know, although it's not the same atmosphere uh, during the fall, you, do you believe there is a market for spring football? And could the FCS or another level fill that in the coming years? You know, it's been interesting to watch it on Saturdays and Fridays and what they've been and then kind of text those guys afterwards. And, you know, from from the coaches that I've talked to in the Missouri Valley specifically, you know, they think it's they like it. But they're also like it, it kind of sets us behind in recruiting in a sense, because in a normal year, they'd be able to be on the road and get these evaluations. And well, if they're going to be playing from February to May. 
well, they're not going to be able to get on the road and see these recruits. And so I know some of them have enjoyed it because it kind of puts the FCS in a different light. They don't have to compete. You know, North Dakota State doesn't have to compete with Minnesota for viewers or um, you look at Northern Iowa doesn't have to completely compete with Iowa and Iowa State. They enjoy that. I mean, they do. But in that same respect, you know, they wish that instead of them being on ESPN Plus, they wish they were on ESPN. And I think you could make a case for that. Because what else is going to be on in February or in March if it's not March Madness on a Saturday afternoon? I mean, throw UNI versus Southern Illinois or South Dakota State up there. And I think that they'd be pleasantly surprised in terms of what the viewership would be. But I have enjoyed it. I just think it, it's, it's strange to me. You know, I, I haven't seen something like this, but I think if the FCS wants to be different and they want to get, you know, continue to grow their brand and the Missouri Valley wants to continue to grow themselves, I think it's an interesting opportunity, but, you know, that's something to where a lot of these coaches, I mean, and you guys know, I mean, coaches love consistency. They, they love doing the same thing over and over. They love repetition. And so change for them like this has been a curveball for a lot of them. Uh, and there's certainly been some heated moments at times from uh, the folks I've talked to because they're trying to balance recruiting and staying ahead of everything there with trying to compete on Saturdays, which is ultimately what's going to keep their jobs. So it's kind of been very stressful for them, but I enjoy it. I mean, I, I just wish that instead of them being on ESPN Plus, throw them on ESPN News or throw them on ESPN2 if you just want to try it and see if North Dakota State versus North Dakota, like last weekend, was a top five matchup. Throw it up there. See what happens. See what the viewership does. And it does, if it doesn't do well, oh, well. I mean, what was going to be on there? Cornhole toss? So <laughs> just throw it up there instead and see how it kind of goes. Now, I don't know if you saw this, uh, Ryan, but they are going to broadcast. I think it's two the next two Jackson State home games. Obviously, there's a vet, you know vest interest there with uh, Dion uh, right. and his kids playing. But they are going to, you know, you know. I hope for the FCS sake that that does draw big numbers. You know, I, I hope that that is a foot in the a foot in the door. You know, and my other follow up too is, you know, with the FCS recruiting, they don't have the staff. You know, like that PJ Fleck has, where he can at least have some on-campus recruiting going on, even if they were to play in the spring and so on and so forth. So who does that fall on? You know, does that fall on the coordinators then? Hey, you know, Monday, you really need to focus on recruiting at the FCS, FCS level, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday's game plan. Like who, who ends up taking the bulk of that? Because they have to be scheduling, you know, on-campus visits for some. They're, they're trying right. to get virtual visits going. And, you know, we know a lot of our kids are getting virtual visits left mm -hmm. and right, but that, that only goes so far. Um, who yeah. takes the brunt of that? Well, it's usually a position coach who also has the recruiting coordinator title attached to him. And it's a fun, it's funny you ask that question because I had those conversations here in the last week with two Missouri Valley schools that will remain unnamed that they're the guys I was talking to were position coaches, but also had the other title of recruiting coordinator. And so they're the ones that are, that are, you know, I'm, I'm calling and texting and they're stressed out because they're, I don't want to fall behind. This is my duty. And so for some of them, like you mentioned, they spent, uh, say, a Monday that normally would be an off day for them. If it's a Saturday to Saturday week, the guys have an off day that the coaches have a light day, maybe some game planning. They spent the day watching a ton of film. And then they ended up offering a lot of kids here in the, Med in the Midwest, including in Minnesota, because they finally got around to watching the film. Now, on the flip side of that, there's another Missouri Valley team that they're kind of just going to put it off until May, until they're done or, or April or May until they're done with their season, with their, with their FCS playoff run. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that, 
and I, I'm, you know, I, I said that and, you know, I doubt that they're going to change anything because some random guy like me said it, but their kind their strategy is, well, once we're done, we're going to be able to get these kids on campus. The hope is that there's going to be able to have some kind of summer camps and they don't feel like they're going to fall behind. Now, will they? Maybe. Will they, Matt? Maybe we'll see. But it is interesting to kind of get different perspectives across the FCS about what's your strategy with this spring football and balancing recruiting into it. And from the at least the two guys that I talked to, it's very different ends of the spectrum. So I guess we'll find out come December which signing, uh, which class is a little bit stronger than the other. And did the strategy play a part of that? Well, let's dive into the 2022 class in here and look at the state of Minnesota and some of the, the prep prospects that you have coming up. When you're looking at it as a whole, what are some, you know, again, areas of strength, depth, or um, what's really kind of the standout hallmark of this upcoming class? Yeah, for me, I think offensive line. And that's where you do have the guys at the top, like the Lucas Hayers from Hill Murray, the Dalen Hesserts from um, from Marshall there. You know, I, I had a chance to be able to see uh, Tony Nelson from Tracy, Minnesota. A kid I had never you know, I never heard of before. And then I show up to this uh, prep red zone, Minnesota camp in, in January and he walks in and I go, Oh, you know, you're what they are supposed to look like. And then he does some athletic things and he's obviously very good. And, and that's where now, I mean, a kid like that from Tracy, Minnesota walks into one of those and you know, now he's committed to Minnesota and a big 10 institution. And that's where you're really happy that those kind of kids show up to it because if he doesn't show up to that, I'm not sure he has anything going on in recruiting because no one's able to get out on the road. You see a kid from Tracy, Minnesota, which a lot of people don't know where that is. You see it's 2A football and you don't have an opportunity to see him live. And that's where you're happy for him that, you know, like, like I said, he came out uh, and was able to play well. I mean, there's a lot of guys in this state, especially for this 22 class um, at, at offensive line, like Ethan Fisher is a kid from Maple Lake that I think, if, if he can put out some senior film, I mean, he's six foot nine, he's very long, and he is, uh, as a freshman, uh, when they were able to have a track season, he took second in the state in shot put as a freshman. And it's so tough to, so you're telling me he's six foot nine, and he's incredibly, uh, you know, he's incredibly strong. That's going to play. And that's a kid, you know, I'm kind of burning myself now for some of the later questions, but um, you know, Ethan Fisher and, and Martin Covisto from Shakopee. I just think that this offensive line class, including like Sartell's Blake Haas, it, it's good. And that's where, again, a lot of these Dakota schools, a lot of these Missouri Valley schools, once they're able to see what these guys are like on campus, because as you guys know, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I look at a huddle and they say they're 6'4", 220, and then I see them in person and they're 6'2", 215, and it's not a good 215. I mean, it's been over a year, like I said, since these college coaches have been able to see these kids. So once they're able to, once they're able to get them on campus, I think you're going to see a lot of this offensive line. But I think it's, it's an interesting year because out of state, in terms of out-state kids, like the Kristen Hoskins of the world from Alexandria, um, even, again, the only really high-profile kid here off the top of my head, and I'm sure I'm missing one right now, is Lucas Hayer, because you have Kristen Hoskins, Dalen Hester. Um, you know, there are other guys that have offers, but it's just, it's an interesting year for it to be outside the Metro for Minnesota to be able to have as many guys as they are that could be potentially powered by prospects, including the two guys up at Moorhead, Austin Altifer and Jack Tyken. 
you know, in terms of the 2022 class, you know, what are some of the names that Gopher fans really want to pay attention to as, you know, summer football camps begin? I think everybody's probably going to try to put something together on campus for the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, you touched on a little bit of the prep red zone stuff. That's kind of caught life of its own a little bit. I know there's one coming up at, uh, I think it's in Rosemount. Yep. Um, you know, those are kind of really have turned into an outlet for these kids. Um, but as, as camps begin and staffs gear up for the next signing period, what schools are looking at some of these under the radar guys? Yeah. And that's where, if I could give any piece of advice is, um, especially for that prep red zone. I mean, I'm not affiliated with them at all. I just, again, I showed up to the one in January and it just happened to be Tony Nelson's there and now Tony Nelson's committed to Minnesota. But what it does is, and why it's so important is because all these colleges are trying to get out in front of one another in terms of they want to be the first to offer more or less. So if you show up to this one in May in Rosemount where uh, we can get verified height and weight, verified 40, shuttle, vertical, broad jump, um, you can have somebody that the coaches trust see you live and then they can send out the results and then people can continue to talk about you and that can only help you. And then, yes, you could wait until June and then just go to these camps. And uh, the other piece of advice I would have for recruits would be if you're going to come to this prep red zone camp where you know there's going to be a 40, a short shuttle, a broad jump, uh, one-on-ones, practice, practice, practice. This should not be under any circumstances your first time doing it uh, because this is essentially a tryout for a college scholarship, especially at the ones in June, whether you're going to Minnesota, Duluth, Augustana, Minnesota, Northern Iowa. Again, if you perform well athletically at these camps, you're probably going to be able to get some scholarship money and that's life-changing for a lot of these kids. And so that's where in April and May, as you're continuing to work hard in the weight room, you should be practicing short shuttle practicing your broad jump, working with your strength coach at your school, asking him or her, whoever it may be, how do I continue to work on my explosiveness to to get bigger, stronger, faster, more explosive so that once June hits and I'm able to go to these colleges, uh, you know, I'm able to hopefully earn some scholarship money and that could go a long way for these kids. But in terms of some under the radar names, I do have a few pulled up here for you. Um, I already mentioned my, one of my, one of my favorite ones that I think, if he continues to play a lot more physical on film, like I said, Ethan Fisher, Maple Lake, they don't make them like Ethan Fisher looks. Uh, you know, six nine, very strong. He just has to play as strong as he is, and that's just the physicality. If he can show that, absolutely, he's a Missouri Valley player. I think he'd definitely have a shot at the Power Five. Then, um, I also I know one of the favorites that I saw live here recently was Hayden Stay from Princeton. I think that kid. Um, if he if he just commits himself to the defensive side of the ball, is going to be a really good edge, edge rusher or he's going to be a really good outside linebacker. I watched him weigh in at 6'3", 225, watched him run in the four sevens. Um, you know, he had a nine-foot-plus broad jump, like a four-five shuttle. It's tough to find kids that are as, you know, as athletic as he is with the size that he has. And that's where he, you know, there's a lot of tight end. He plays both ways for Princeton. Uh, you look, you watch his highlight tape. It's a lot of stuff at tight end, but there's not a lot. You look across the Missouri Valley or the Big Ten or whatever uh, division you want to look at. There's not a lot of six three two twenty five tight ends. You know what? There are a lot of six three two twenty five edge rushers or outside linebackers. So I'm I'm excited to see what he can do. And I think, uh, you know, another guy here before we get into the super sleepers would be from Caledonia and Logan Bancy, uh, a kid that. He has very really good film. And if I know anything about Caledonia, Minnesota, 
and what Mr. Frickley puts out down there, those kids play their tail off and they are tough, tough, tough kids. And I think if Logan in June or May, whenever he shows up to a camp, can get verified measurables that he is 6'4", and, and then you put on the tape and you see how well uh, he can turn a corner, how well he uses his hands as a defensive end, and how he's tenacious, to me, absolutely all day that kid is a Missouri Valley, um, and we can kind of go up from there, and that's a kid that doesn't have an offer yet. And so, I, you know, I think those three kids specifically, I'm excited to see what they look like in May and June, and, and hopefully – you know, if they continue to perform like I think they will, there will be a lot more offers coming their way. So you kind of alluded to it already, Ryan, and um, I'll just kind of go with that question. You can call them super sleepers. We can call them whatever we want. <laughs> maybe, you know, outstate kids that um, maybe aren't getting a lot of love right now, or, or maybe there's a kid out there who you think, you know what, this kid's going to be a great college football player. It just might not be at the scholarship level, and it might be a standout at a D3 level. Who are some of those kids that you're targeting that you think, okay, they're sleepers that you think could be really productive college football players? Yeah, I'll give you one in-state, or excuse me, one in the metro here, and I'll give you one outside. Neither of them, well, I think one has one Missouri Valley offer right now, but um, one it would be from Columbia Heights. Now, in my 10 years, I've never heard Columbia Heights, Minnesota, having a football prospect. Um, it, it just kind of is what it is. But Spencer Alvarez is uh, a tight end prospect, tore his ACL um, about six months ago, uh, back when the fall season started for Minnesota. And... I know that there's a lot of college coaches, including some uh, down in Dickey Town, that are very intrigued to see what he looks like this summer because he is someone that is a very good basketball player. He's six foot seven, two thirty-five. Uh, it's tough to find kids that look like that and that are as athletic as he is. And that's where I'm not going to say he's Brevin's fan for uh, because I'm just again, like I said, Brevin to me is on a whole nother level. It's kind of just personal at this point. If this one doesn't pan out, it doesn't pan out. But I just know that. When I've seen Brevin span forward at 100%, whether that was at St. Cloud Tech or whether that's been at a go for football practice, there's a lot of guys out there on Sundays that look like him and what he's doing now. He's got to stay healthy, but I'm getting sidetracked here. But Spencer Alvarez does nothing going on right now because everybody's waiting to see, you know, is he going to be physical and is he going to maintain that athleticism? If he does, he's going to earn himself a scholarship somewhere. And that's going to be exciting to see. And then a kid that I watched his tape uh, again here recently, and I just talked about him from Sartell, Minnesota, is Blake Howes, uh, someone that I know both Minnesota and Wisconsin have on their list. Now, I don't know if he's actually going to get up there uh, to that kind of level, and he just picked up his first offer here in the last 72 hours from uh, from South Dakota. So, again, Sartell, Minnesota, not a ton of guys that have come out of there. But, I mean, in this – and I think it kind of just speaks to this day and age of – how easy it is for college coaches to go online and type in Ryan Burns huddle. And then they pull up your film and they can watch your film and then they can find your Twitter or whatever your phone number on there. And you can kind of correspond from there. It's so tough now really to have like a Tony Nelson situation where, you know, Tony Nelson, six, seven, two sixty, And I mean, how does no one know about him? Even when in Tracy, Minnesota, I think he was the lineman of the year in his conference, but that's just kind of how it's been with COVID. And that to your first question is it has just delayed everything because it's so tough now that it's been over a year that normally you could get these, these kids out to a camp, get these guys out to a game, uh, have some way to get them to your campus to number one, show them your campus. And number two, maybe more importantly for the college coaches, 
verify how tall you are, how long you are, how are you to talk to different things like that. So, you know, I'm excited for a lot of these kids because in my opinion, I think this 2022 Minnesota class is, I think a little deeper, whether, whether it's from the FBS level to the FCS level, uh, even getting into the Northern sun from some of the uh, conversations I've had with some Northern sun schools, I think it's going to be a pretty good year in the state of Minnesota here across the board. So, I mean, that's what you want to hear. But again, for these high school recruits, as I talked you know, kind of to start off the show, if you're a 2022 recruit or you are a parent or a coach of one that you think could play at the D1 or D2 level that you can earn a scholarship, even NAIA, I mean, that is scholarship money that you don't have to pay and it's life-changing stuff. Make sure that in the next eight to 10 weeks here, you're busting your butt in the weight room. You're busting your butt trying to, you know, figure out all of these different 40 and short shuttle and broad jump and all these different things they're going to have you do at the college camps because college camps, you know, yes, they're camps, but they're auditions. And if you audition, well, you're getting a scholarship and that is life-changing money. And so that's where practice, practice, practice before you get there, make sure that you're ready to go when you hit the camp circuit, because a lot of these kids, you know, I've seen kids do seven camps in seven days. I tell them they're crazy. They tell me they know it's crazy. Mom and dad know it's crazy. But all it takes is that one school to pull the trigger on an offer. And it's scholarship money. And then you, you know, more times than not, once one breaks the floodgates, there's a lot more that come in. So make sure you're ready to go because by the time June hits, it's been 16 months since these 22s have been able to really audition at these summer camps. So I'm excited. I think this state of Minnesota for this 2022 class is going to be pretty good.